0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, heading into the weekend again, I mentioned to you that I am in Philadelphia just for a couple of days, one night. I'm up here with uh, General Michael Flynn and a group of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. We're organizing folks up in Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania, the whole state, uh, in support of good, good stuff. Uh, good elections, good candidates, and a bright future. So it's gonna be very cool. We're uh, pretty excited about that. It's gonna be fun. Uh, kind of busy time, but let me I'm glad glad to be with you. hope you're headed for a great weekend yourself. Uh, we've got some great guests here on the program, and maybe more importantly, one of the more fun, what you need to know, uh, what winks as we go into the weekend. So uh, feel free, by the way, to visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Everything you want for the Ed Martin's Pro America Report is there. And plus, you can sign up for the daily email, Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. Pacific time, eight a.m. 8 a.m. East Coast time. An email goes out and tells you what you need to know, the wink. And here we are. This first segment of the program is the wink also. And let me tell you. Um, I want to point out what made you smile. If you saw it, I think they ran it on Fox News channel. I think they ran it over on Twitter. You can see it quite a bit. Uh, Brian Stelzer, the guy at CNN who is supposed to be this expert on the media. Um, you know, there used to be a guy named Howie Kurtz. Howie Kurtz was a Washington Post reporter and I think a pretty, I don't know, well-regarded reporter. And he was at CNN for a number of years and did a, say, a show called Reliable Sources. I think that's what it was called. And Howie Kurtz then moved over to Fox, and they filled him with Brian Stelzer, this guy. You've seen him. He's real chubby face, uh, and he's just obnoxious, and he's just in the tank, and he's kind of the ultimate fake newser. Well, he went out on one of these tours or went out on a stop at a college, and a college freshman, at least it's reported it was a college freshman, asked him, hey, we've got all these hoaxes that happen in the news, Jesse Smollett, the Russia hoax, The fine people hoax, the drinking bleach hoax, all these hoaxes. And this college student said, is it is it just a coincidence that they all go in one direction, which is to say they all go against Trump, against conservatives, against Republicans? And Stelzer had no answer and stumbled and fumbled. It's really funny to watch. But here's what I want to tell you. It's really true. I mean, I think if we were misled in the past by all the news, like different news outlets on all sides, you know, if you want to go back and say that the Iraqi war, there was people misleading us and the news went for it. I don't think that the news, uh, they were fooled by the intelligence community where everybody was sort of lied to or exaggerated to or however you want to say it. But there weren't hoaxes. There weren't sort of wholesale hoaxes. And you've heard me talk about Mike Cernovich and his movie Hoaxed. And there's an accompanying book called Hoax. And Cernovich talked about this about four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. He did a documentary and then wrote this book with it. But these are actual hoaxes where they take some aspect of what's happening. They it, it, describe it in such a way, add to it certain motivations, and then hammer home the truth of it. And one of the ones that's uh, most prevalent now is the January 6th insurrection. Whatever happened, and there was some violence, I think, most of it was people that were ushered into the Capitol and people that wished it was different. They wanted the election to turn out a certain way. They didn't have a plan. And the January 6th select committee, plus the prosecutions and the media coverage, it's another hoax. In other words, the hoax part, it's not just uh, misleading. It's the active sort of promulgation of a set of facts. The narrative machine is what I call it. And then the hoax is perpetrated. The other one is Hunter Biden's laptop. They said it was Russian disinformation. They said it was false. And everybody went into overdrive to make it thus. And so what's the difference between just misleading us and a hoax? The difference in my mind is actually what I've said before in the narrative machine. It's the cu- it's the coupling big tech, big media, and big government to tell you something and to drive the message into this country, the narrative. And now we see Stelzer. He had no answer. He hemmed and hawed. He's all these, all the all the ways that the thing, all the way, the direction of all the hoaxes is against conservatives, against we the people. You can say all that. And he had no answer. He just stumbled and bumbled. Here's the question I have. What's coming next? Are we headed for another hoax coming in the, in the future? Are we going to see in the, in for 2022? Because I don't think they can win with the facts. I don't think they can win even by misleading us. I think it's all too far gone and that they're going to have to try a hoax. And so watch for the hoax that's coming. What could it be? I'm not sure. Uh, let me point out, by the way, that um, some of what we're hearing, some of the descriptions of what's happened overseas in the Russia-Ukraine war has some of the telltale signs of a hoax. I'm not saying it is. It's certainly a war and people are dying and it's horrendous. I'm saying that there is telltale signs of what do you do? What we say when we see a hoax, which is the narrative machine kicks in to tell us what to believe, and we shouldn't believe it. But what's coming next? What's the next hoax? What could the next hoax be, and what would it be trying to do for we the people? Trying to spin we the people into a certain uh, into a certain set of beliefs for the narrative machine for the fall to try to sway the election. That's what you have to wonder. That's certainly what I wonder. That's the biggest thing I wonder about is what could be coming next from the narrative machine. All right, everybody, I'm going to take a break right now. We'll come back. we got a lot more on the show. I hope you're headed into a great weekend celebrating. As I mentioned, I'll be with General Mike Flynn. Go to proamericareport.com, sign up for the daily emails there, listen to all these great segments, and support the work we're doing. I'm Ed Martin. It's the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, it's very interesting to watch what's happening in the world. Uh, we we hear the news on, say, Ukraine. We hear the news on uh, Washington, D.C. And then you look up and you say, what's happening in the world? Our next guest is uh, Adam uh, Samu Balaj, And he is the head of the International Secretariat of Fidesz. So Fidesz is the uh, governing party in Hungary. The uh, uh, Prime Minister Orban has been in, in office for a few years now, quite a few, and they just had an election on Sunday. So well, this is the party that has the power in Hungary, uh, I w- described, self-described as a conservative party. Uh, I would say it's center-right uh, on a bunch of issues. It's uh, more conservative than the American parties. On some issues, though, international, others, they would sound a little bit more uh, moderate. But that's the governing party, Fidesz is the name. And so Adam has, is the head of the international uh, secretariat. And for a nation like Hungary, the international uh, 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 secretariat of the ruling party, well, that's well, kind of a big deal because you've got the European Union, you've got Europe, you've got Russia, China, you've got a whole bunch of these pieces. And uh, Adam Balazs, our next guest, he's been a uh, political analyst, he's been a press officer. But for the last uh, almost a decade or so, he has worked with some of the senior people who are in the uh, ruling party. He's worked with uh, Catalina Novak, who was uh, the education minister. She was on the show, actually. I don't know about a, in last It was the last year she was on the, the program. Uh, and now she's president. She was elected president by the parliament a few weeks ago. He's also worked with the uh, member uh, of the European parliament. They call it MEP, uh, Kinga Gal. And uh, that is um, uh, that is a key per, uh, keep keep part of uh, what's happening in in uh, Europe uh and and for a nation uh is how you, how you're relating to the European Union. So first of all welcome Adam to the program and tell me the 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 elections on Sunday I saw one of the commentators uh, that I texted with said he would have never even expected or dreamed of the results. In other words it was a landslide for Fidesz, uh a landslide that seemed to say you're going in the right direction, keep going. Uh, and the polls did not predict that. They predicted a closer race. So congratulations. But what happened on Sunday?
2: Hi there, and thanks uh, for having me. Uh, actually, yeah. we woke up today learning that Fides got one more mandate than expected, because you know, <laughs> they, are, they are still counting the votes uh, that were casted abroad. Uh, yeah. So it's one more. This means that uh, Fidesz will have 136 mandates out of the 200 seats in Parliament. Wow. So uh, it's, it's a historic win and uh, Sunday's election results were the best ever, actually, as no party has ever received so many votes since the fall of communism. So more than uh, 54% and a consecutive fourth term for Prime Minister uh, Orbán, uh, a, win, uh, a historic win by a supermajority uh, yeah. for the first time, actually, after uh, 12 years in government. So uh, it's really a huge, uh, a huge win. And um, just to be exact, uh, uh, Fides <laughs> won the popular vote 54% to 34% wow. over a United Six-Party coalition uh, mm. represented by the left.
1: Mm. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Adam Balash, and he's the uh, head of the international secretary of Fidesz. So let me pause for one second and ask you, um, you mentioned the elections are still f- counting votes uh, now uh, of international votes and all. And the election was Sunday. Um, so in America, we have our elections on Tuesdays It's so by longstanding tradition. But it, in, in Hungary, do you have the tradition <laughs> that we have of early voting and absentee ballot voting? Or is Sunday the voting day? And with almost no exceptions, that's where you're voting.
2: No, it's, it's only one day. And actually, um, we had a, a different system uh, before 2014. So mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's good to know that Fidesz won in 2010 in a different system when we had a two-round electoral system, and since oh. then, uh, uh, after 2014, um, we won uh, with um, with uh, opposition parties um, running differently, separately uh-huh. from one another, and uh, in 2018. Uh, Also, one round, one day voting uh, with a partial opposition coalition. And now in 2022, they had this full coalition that stood against Fidesz. Uh, So it's a a bigger win. And this is why I think it was quite unaccepted um, from uh, some uh, reports around the world.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, And uh, Adam uh, Balash is uh, the head uh, of the international secretary to Fidesz. If you're listening, Fidesz is uh, this governing national political party. So I would say it's like being one of the senior folks at the uh, uh, Republican or Democrat National Committee. And and in a way, it's a a key post because of the international, the way you have to function uh, in from a nation like Hungary. Um, So, Adam, um, the uh, victory, uh, the opposition ran and in many ways to, to characterize it, to describe it. They said, you know, Prime Minister Orban has been around too long. It's time to get a change, and the policies are too conservative that the europe European Union is objecting to the conservative policies because I will say FIDES has passed specific legislation that gives tax breaks to families that have children that uh, incentivize mm-hmm. business, and very very conservative and and so it it the the idea was at least in the opposition was, oh yeah, the people are tired of this. And they want to get to be more sort of open, like, like the rest of the world. It failed, uh, dramatically. Did you expect to see such success? It, it's the, the coverage made it sound like it was working that criticism.
2: Uh, we said, I think we sent a message to Europe and the world that traditional values and the politics of conservatism are the future, not the past. Uh, you know, uh, people are satisfied with the incumbent government sometimes yeah so sometimes you just don't have to to dig deeper to find the answer i mean mean, in hungary it is much appreciated that we have a christian democratic patriotic government one that protects the borders as you said it helps families with children cuts energy prices and these views are, are shared by the majority of the population in hungary so this is why i think it's a it's a strong message to to europe and to the world that uh, it is possible to have a, a strong stance on these uh, conservative uh, issues and it's worth representing these uh, values.
1: Uh, Adam Balash, uh, again, head of the International Secretary of Fides, the governing party that just won a landslide election. Uh, you mentioned that it's the, the governing party that it, it was not shy <clears throat> about saying, we're, we're Hungary, we are a conservative nation, but we're a nation... Based on Judeo, Judeo-Christian but Christian values, overtly Christian values. Um, that's a massive contrast to what Europe wants to say at all times. Is that is that true of both? Is that true of all parties? Do all Hungarians think we're a Christian nation, even if they differ on the politics? Or is there really an effort to try to have the modern? You know, is the opposition in this case trying to be modern and therefore not uh, Christian?
2: the The opposition uh, formed a coalition that was you know uh, forged in the in the hatred towards uh, Orban, so they didn't have any ideology they only said that uh, we have to get rid of Orban and uh, we need uh, someone else to govern and uh, this is why uh, this coalition um, uh, was uh, partly fro- formed by parties that Uh, include the anti-Semite anti-Semite far-right and the communist also, the Yopik and uh, the socialist Uh, so it's a a really (laughs) broad coalition and no one raised their voice against this uh, in Europe or in the world, I didn't read any mainstream media um, criticizing this coalition but uh, it was really a a very broad coalition of of the far-right and the far uh, left, so hmm. there is another uh, side, of course, of the story. Uh, there are people who think differently, uh, and also in Budapest, the opposition won in uh, uh, mostly all of the districts. Uh, uh, so they had a really good result. But it's a liberal city, so uh, it also shows that there, are, there there is a big difference uh, between uh, between a capital city and the, the lifestyle there and the values that are uh, more represented there and, uh, the other parts of, of the mm-hmm. country so, uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, one, so one last question here. Um, America seems to have discovered Hungary in the last year or two. Now I want to say for the record that, uh, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlapley, um, she's been focused on and talking about Hungary for decades before she passed away because she, um, was supportive of Cardinal Mincenti, uh the, the famous um, uh, Catholic uh, prelate from Hungary. And so we've been talking about it for a while. In fact, some of your uh, leaders um, uh, have been to, uh, to our conferences and been a part of it. But about the last year, Tucker Carlson came. A number of uh, writers came. The, the, suddenly you got uh, both positive and uh, negative press from the Americans. It, but it was a lot of attention, is a lot of attention. Was that good or bad?
2: I'm sure you remember also that President Trump endorsed PM Orban just before the elections. Uh, <laughs> yes. He said uh, he has done a powerful and wonderful job in, in protecting Hungary, stopping illegal immigration, creating jobs, and um, yeah. I think it's important for, for us also that we have uh, the conservative community with us uh, in the yeah. States or, or elsewhere in Western Europe, even though they are in a minority nowadays um so we, we we will have to help each other in the future uh because yeah. uh, there will be some some elections in in france also uh, right. so we hope that uh more and more people will recognize and have the courage to speak up and um and um, maybe you know um uh, uh, take example of of some policies that we have and uh that can uh, that can also help other conservatives in other countries um, to go forward.
1: Yeah, well, very good. Well, thank you again, Adam uh, Balaj, who's the head of the International Secretary to Fidesz, has joined us from uh, Hungary to on the phone and then to be with us. So thank you. Congratulations again. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time. And as you mentioned, Fidesz won resoundingly. What? And they won, uh, I would describe, uh, with the policies of secure the nation for the people of Hungary first before the values of the family and for life first. Uh, and from there, everything will come uh, um, come forward. It was an extraordinary success. So thank you again, Adam, and uh, keep in touch. Thank and you. God bless your, your work. Okay. Um, you're very good. We'll take a break, everybody. And when we come back, uh, we've got a lot more. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Been looking forward to speaking with our, with our next guest, uh, Pastor Scott LaPierre. He is a the senior pastor over in Woodland, Washington, at Woodland Christian Church. He's an author. He speaks all around the country. Uh, he and I were talking offline. He did a master's degree over at Liberty University. We've got so many people that come on and, and I know that are so um, well-educated, and well-formed, having studied Liberty, so it's great. And uh, I, think, I think he was bragging. I'm not totally sure, but he, he was sort of bragging. <laughs> (laughs) that he has nine children. He wasn't bragging. He just was explaining. We were talking about he and his wife, Katie, nine children uh, do a lot of homeschooling and a lot happening. His new book, which is called Your Marriage, God's Way, A Biblical Guide to Christ-Centered Relationship, Harvest House Publishers. And I'll put the links up. Uh, Welcome, Pastor Scott. How are you?
3: I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Well, yeah,
1: nice to have you. And scottlapierre.org is where you can see a lot of his writings and all. So first of all, I I hate to do, do it like this, but how do you talk about marriage in the wilderness we're living in, the cultural wilderness, and just try it's, try to bring people out of it. I mean, it's like you're out here in the wilderness and the message all around you is the opposite, in my opinion, of what I think God meant for marriage. And you've mm-hmm. got to try to bring it back. How how hard is the sell?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, Ed, because people deviate from God's word, they have problems in their <laughs> marriages, which yep. causes them to want to look for help. And yeah. so it's kind of an easy sell because marriage is so uh, familiar to, you know, so many people. We're not talking about something decidedly Christian that only a few people be familiar with, like maybe mission work or something. Unbelievers are, are married and they want to have joyful, mm. healthy relationships. And so I start preaching on marriage in my church. I think it's going to be a month and it ends up being close to a year because people mm. are so hungry for marriage content. And then I, I took those sermons and turned it into, uh, this book and accompanying workbook. And there's a real hunger out there for people to have healthy marriages. And so when you tell them that God created marriage, that he's the author of it, and he knows what marriage should look like. And maybe the way that you've been doing, it hasn't been working. And so you might want to consider the way the author of marriage has, has designed the roles and responsibilities. People are receptive to that.
1: We're talking with Pastor Scott LaPierre, his book, Your Marriage, God's Way. Uh, again, I'll put it up on uh, social media. Scott LaPierre.org is his website. Um, the okay, and I hear you. And so I, you're right. In a way, I think people are more devastated and therefore they're looking. Um, on the other hand, uh, the antagonism uh, towards mm-hmm. the, even saying and and functioning um, in God's word and in his teaching on this, it's, it's palpable. Like you can, you can get, you can almost say that you're interested in satanic stuff and people will be like, well, that's kind of misguided, but whatever. Mm-hmm. If you say, Oh my gosh, I think marriage is a man and a woman. People are like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is, you really are a bigot. I, it's amazing. And it's happened so fast.
3: Mm-hmm. You're right. We're, we're definitely seeing an incredible deviation from God's word and what he designed. Than I think we've seen it time throughout all human history Um, And it is it is difficult to hold to biblical principles or tell people what God's word says, because it can offend people when it contradicts their lifestyles or or their beliefs. Um, And so, yeah, if you're going to if you're going to hold to scripture and tell people what the Bible says, then yeah, you're going to make you're going to reach some opposition for sure, Ed.
1: Uh, well, again, Pastor Scott LaPierre is our guest. Um, you know, my old boss, the late Phyllis Schlafly, who was such an astute observer of American uh, life and all, and Even, and she was an a- activist, too. But she often talked about how the shift to no-fault divorce was such a profound mm-hmm. change because— Everybody that's married knows it's hard work. It's not always easy. It's never easy, really. Um, but it's what God asks you to. And once you're in, you've been transformed. I mean, that's what it's, it's not. a. You can't you don't untransform yourself. But that's really one of the factors. I mean, isn't it? I mean, people say, well, we're just incompatible. Therefore, it's better for each of us to go our separate ways. And with no fault divorce and frankly, the uh, energy spent by I would say feminism, but certainly just the culture to to encourage divorce. That's what people do.
3: Ed, I agree with you completely. You you said that really well. And the fact is every couple that gets married has incompatibilities or let's say irreconcilable differences. I mean, the people (laughs) people that stay married for 30, 40, 50 years, it's not because they're you know, perfectly compatible and haven't weathered any storms in their relationships. The fact is they, they got married. They made a commitment to each other and they decided to see it through because really um, every marriage is the union of two selfish, sinful people. I mean, there's nobody that right. can raise their hand and say, you know, I'm not selfish. I'm not a sinner. And so it's really an issue of how we're going to stay together and work through our selfishness and our sinfulness to have a relationship that's healthy and joyful and brings honor to the Lord. But the idea that people would would divorce because they're having problems. I mean, if that was the standard for, for a <laughs> yeah, union, the, then yeah. everyone, everyone would get divorced. My wife and I would have gotten divorced, you know, in the first year of our right. first mer- month of our marriage. because <laughs> Everyone has disagreements and conflicts. And so it's an issue of working through them, mm-hmm. learning to grow in our relationships with each other. And even more importantly, in our relationships with the Lord. And the, the nice thing about disagreements and conflicts is it reveals parts of ourselves that need to change uh, that, the you know, where the Lord can work in our heart. And so when we stick with our spouse and marriage can be very sanctifying, it can be very maturing and conflict, maybe more than anything else in a relationship allows us to see our weaknesses Mm -hmm. and selfishness so that we can grow. But if we run away, if we get a divorce, then we're abandoning the growth that the Lord could provide.
1: Well, I think I I often joke, but I'm only half joking. That's why it's kind of a funny joke that God gives you marriage and a wife and children to break you down and teach you that you're nothing and you're dust. You know, and you're going to go, you know, that's that's the whole lesson, I think, is. And I'm only half kidding when I say that my wife does not listening to this segment of the program. We're talking with (laughs) uh, Pastor Scott LaPierre. Um, But when people say, "Okay, I want. To turn and look, your book is called Your Marriage God's Way. I want to go back to a, a biblical guide to Christ centered relationship. To that, the the stumbling blocks, the, the, the you know we the only one that uh, the only relationship without irreconcilable differences is God loving us. But so, well there we, so so there we are, and it feels like we're in a culture where failure is an end as opposed to failure is kind of the root to um, see what I'm saying. And, 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 in some ways the we've set our culture up where 50 million abortions, which means some number, I don't know, let's say 30 million people have had an abortion, multiple abortions, you know, so you say it's murder, they're part of murder and it feels terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. And when people are in unfaithful, we say you're part of adultery and, or you're, you're part of what. And so teaching people that the failure is, is, is not the end. It's not that it's good, but that you, it's sort of a beginning. Uh, that's the challenge in this culture to me.
3: Mm-hmm. Well said, Ed. And I think that whether it's divorce or whether it's uh, abortion, whether it's murdering yeah. babies or whether it's leaving our spouse, both of them typically come down to the same root, which is selfishness, a desire to not, have to do something or put up with something or deal with something. And so in one case, it's a baby. I don't want to deal with this baby. And in the other case, it's, I don't want to deal with my spouse. And then we see that people don't improve after divorces. That we, we look at the percent of people that have one divorce and then end up having a second or a third one, because it just shows that that, that first divorce didn't fix anything, that they brought the same baggage and problems into the second relationship. And so the best, the best solution is to, is to, you know, deal with the problems at hand and grow and let the Lord work in that relationship. And let- and I think you said that really well, few things in life are going to be as sanctifying or as growth producing as having children. And, you know, I have nine kids. I, I, probably recognize my selfishness and sinfulness more with every child that I have because each one of them takes more of my time and my life and my energy. And I have to sit back and say, well, you know, what what is this about? Is it about me and what I want or is it about trying to serve my family and my kids and serve my wife and and recognizing that, you know, frequently I, I don't I don't feel like it, which is a revelation to me of of my sinfulness and selfishness. And so to have children and to be married is really one of the one of the greatest ways for God to work in our in our lives.
1: Uh, again, we're talking with Scott LaPierre. If you go to ScottLapierre.org, and that's LaPierre, L-A-P-I-E-R-R-E.org, you'll see all of his writings there. Uh, also, you can sign up for a newsletter, get a copy of his book. Um, and his uh, newest book is Your Marriage, God's Way, A Biblical Guide to Christ-Centered Relationship, uh, Harvest House Publishers. Also, uh, he has done a workbook uh, for folks that, uh, say, get active in this. Um, how? Uh, how much... Do you think this right right now in this history, like so politically, a lot of my show is talking politics, Pastor, mm-hmm. you know, talking about things and and there's certainly something going on. People are dissatisfied. They're frustrated. They you know, they've always think the swamp is the swamp, but there is a sort mm-hmm. of populist edge to what's happening. And and part of that is uh, that populism is distrust of authority. After COVID, it's maybe worse than ever. People say, these guys, I I tried to be on your side, Fauci, because I wanted to save my granny. Turns out you misled me. I tried to Uh be on your side, you know, know, kind of a freedom fighter. And it turns out my uncle died of COVID. I mean, I'm confused Uh by what's happened. I don't trust any authority. And now Uh we're saying the one you can trust is the word of God. Now, I know you're a pastor. I know you're a pastor and you'll say, that's right. You have to get to faith. But how do you win back trust a lot of people aren't trusting in institutions and one of them is marriage and one of them is the church and it's a it's a tough moment
3: Mm -hmm. i i think you're making a great point ed and you're you're touching a nerve there that uh you know is familiar to many people and you did basically you know answer for me that we're recognizing we can't look at fallible human leaders and Mm -hmm. even the best human leaders and and there's a, a there for, for any of the faults uh, in our nation, there have been some uh, wonderful leaders in the past, but even they were they were fallible. you know they made mistakes, and so ultimately, we need to kind of lift our eyes up and and not have a completely earthly perspective. We need to have a heavenly perspective that looks to the Lord, prays you know to him and seeks his direction for our lives and then i do i 'm confident he helps us navigate through. These struggles and trials, whether they're in marriage, whether they're in our family, whether they're in the workplace. I mean, the Lord wants us to be in his will. He wants to guide and direct us, and he's waiting for us to look to him for those answers. And so, sure, we're going to, you know, the Bible's clear. We're supposed to respect authority, recognize it. Uh, Romans 13, uh, 1 Peter 2 discusses that very clearly, but we recognize its authority that even though it's instituted by God, it is, is not perfect. And so we need, we want to look uh, you know, to God's word and to him and to see what he says and how he would have us navigate through circumstances, how he'd have us build our families and our marriages. And I think that's where the true peace and joy and the true direction for our lives uh, comes from. I mean, God's the one who's the author of government. He's the author of marriage. He's right. the creator yeah. of the family. He's really the only one that knows what. Uh, all these things should look like and how we should handle the, the decisions and, and uh, choices that we face in our lives.
1: Yeah, my, I did, to Pastor Scott LaPierre, I got to finish up. But I, at this point, I think there's, really, there's only three choices in the culture right now to me. One is people sit around and say, I created everything. It's all in my mind or my psyche, which is tempting. Or a lot of people, these young people think, well, there's some far off, I, they talk about a simulation that somehow this is a mm-hmm. computer simulation because people play too many computers or it's God. And, and you mm-hmm. got to pick one of them and, you know, you just t- take a test. Which one do you do you buy in? So Pastor Scott LaPierre, uh, his book, and I encourage people to uh, check it out through his website, especially ScottLapierre.org. His book, uh, the newest book is uh, Your Marriage, God's Way, A Biblical Guide to Christ-Centered Relationship. By the way, one of the things, uh, Pastor, that I find the most powerful, and I love doing these kind of interviews because of it, um, if you read when you read the Gospels, when you read about Christ, you learn about mm-hmm. a human being, a man who mm-hmm. was among us. It wasn't a far. It wasn't a uh, holograph. It wasn't an aspirational thing. It wasn't some mm-hmm. sort of imagination. It was a man, God man. But as a man and around us, you see men and women and you say, huh, I can relate to them. And, and I can see a man, a pastor who's got nine children and a wife and they're working and they're figuring it out. And, you know, if you look on Instagram, everybody looks perfect. Put down mm-hmm. the Instagram and go see your neighbor and you say, huh, he's not perfect, but neither am I. What a relief. I, I didn't know I was supposed to. I didn't know I could not be perfect. I think that's uh, a key now. So uh, thank you for your inspiration as well as your uh, the work that you do uh, as a pastor and also your book.
3: Thanks a lot, Ed. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing too. And, and just really briefly, yeah, you, know, you, you made a point there. I mean, did the universe create itself? No, it did not. <laughs> uh, there's a crater behind it. And then the next question is, well, did he create us to have a relationship with us, or did he create us to be far and detached from us? Right. And, there, and there's really no greater revelation of God's desire to have a relationship with us than him coming from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, being willing to take the punishment for our sins when he hung on that cross so that we could be reconciled to him. And so the reality of, of the incarnation or, or God becoming a man in the person of Jesus Christ shows his desire have a relationship with us yep. and be able to relate to us and so thanks mm-hmm. thanks for what you're doing ed thanks for your show and this opportunity yeah. to be here and Whoa. share with your listeners yeah
1: thank you And that was uh, excellent uh, excellent way to finish thank you pastor scott lapierre everybody i'll put it all up on social media visit proamericareport.com to also sign up and uh, and also listen to these segments we'll take a quick break everybody and be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment
0: this is the phyllis schlafly report A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles,
1: Ed Martin. If you hadn't heard of Joe Rogan before the past few months, you certainly have by now. Rogan has sometimes offended people with his hugely popular podcast, which has a bigger audience than cable news channels. But his questioning of the COVID vaccine is what forced him to retreat with a flurry of apologies. The big tech overlords were not happy when Rogan offered a balanced perspective on the left's golden calf. Let me explain. In Rogan's December 30th interview of Dr. Robert Malone, the respected scientist likened mass vaccination to mass formation psychosis, in which anybody who questions the prevailing narrative is attacked. Liberals forced the removal of that podcast from Spotify and YouTube but Representative Troy Neils of Texas placed a transcript in the congressional record where Nancy Pelosi has not censored it. Yet Rogan still apologized. Allowing open scientific discussion on COVID vaccines is entirely reasonable. The government database, known as the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VARS, skyrockets each month and now totals more than 22,000 deaths, more than 100,000 hospitalizations, and more than a million injuries, After the COVID vaccine, peer reviewed publications confirm vaccine related harm. For example, the Journal of the American Medical Association admitted that, quote, the risk of myocarditis after receiving mRNA based COVID-19 vaccines was increased, end quote, and quote, was highest after the second vaccination dose in adolescent males and young men. This risk should be considered in the context of the benefits of COVID-19 vaccination. End quote. Just about everything in the medical field has a thousand disclaimers attached to it. You can't pick up a bottle of cold medicine without being bombarded by warnings about possible side effects. When the powers that be try so desperately to silence any discussion about the possible side effects of COVID vaccines, they only make people less inclined to take them. Secrecy and coercion will never work. Transparency preserves the time-honored value of personal choice that is so cherished by Americans.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, let's finish up as we uh, head out of the show today with a little segment on my appreciation for baseball. OK, baseball. And there's a lot of criticisms to, out there of baseball uh, as the season opens after the uh, lockout and almost the big labor disagreement would have been a mass would have been a massive mistake if they had locked out and had, had not gotten that figured out uh, sooner, uh, soon enough. So they did that. That was good. Well, I just I, you know, I have been a chi- I'm a child of baseball. My grandfather taught me to watch baseball. My father took me, one of the earliest memories I have is going to Yankee Stadium for a double header, old-fashioned double header, two games, one after another, the Yankees versus the Detroit Tigers. Must have been, I don't know, the 70s, it might have been 75, 6, seventy, seventy-seven. 77, I don't know what year, and great memories, and then I watched baseball with my grandfather, um, who was uh, a great uh, fan. And then when I got into my 20s and I was a young adult, I, I started going to baseball games and I went to the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals games with buddies of mine. And I bought into a share. I bought into a, a, a season tickets just for a one share. There was eight seats and there was about, I don't know, 54 shares, I think. And I had one share, which entitled me to, I don't know, four games something like that, where you got two seats, four seats at a game. Anyway, that was a big deal when I was young and I was working, and I had a great time. And the Cardinals at that time, we had uh, we had uh, Big Big Mac, Mark McGuire, and those teams, the home run teams, 98, and then soon after, we had Albert Pujols, and we had 10 years or so of Albert Pujols, Molina came up, uh, Adam Wainwright came up, it was awesome. But more importantly, I came to just love watching baseball, and I got my kids to watch baseball, and most importantly, I got my wife and I, we would go to games together. We'd watch some games together, that's true. I mean, I guess I, watch, I don't watch TV that much to watch a whole game, but it's a wonderful sport. And of course, I do love Field of Dreams, the movie uh, that's just a phenomenal movie, great movie, Kevin Costner. Just a great movie, but I, I just I, I want to just encourage people. As you hear, lots of reasons they say baseball takes too long; it goes too slow. It's just a great game. It's got a great history, the tradition of baseball, which ties into so many parts of the community we live in. You know, whether it's uh, the Cardinals, or the, the St. Louis Cardinals, they have fans all over the country, and it's kind of probably it's changing now because people are are sort of uh, aging out. But from about, what, 1950 until maybe 1970, you, you got KMOX, the 1120 AM, this huge 50,000 watt signal, AM radio. And people all over the country would listen, especially Midwest and South, Southwest. But, you know, there used to be people that tell me they'd listen to the Cardinals on KMOX from wa- in Washington, D.C. They'd go up on a ridge overlooking Washington, D.C., and you could pick up the game. Because at night, 50,000 watts, it was one of these clear channel signals. And so, you know, by the way, that what happened in the uh, when TBS, the Turner Broadcasting Station, became uh, the Braves uh, station, and they, they got on cable TV all over the place, lots of Braves fans, excuse me, from the late 80s and, and 90s, because they, were, they got uh, the, the, every Braves game. You know, there was a Braves suddenly a lot of fans that are Braves fans because of watching TV. Anyway, uh, the point is baseball has this connection to America. It has this connection to the American people, the American vibe. Uh, You know, people who played baseball, guys like uh, DiMaggio and Berra were kind of coming out of the Italian-American community and, and Pujols and Yachty and all these Clemente, so famous and such a great ball player. And if you've never been to the Cooperstown, to Cooperstown, New York, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary, not just because it's a baseball stadium, a stadium, baseball museum. There is a stadium there, by the way. The Hall of Fame game is played there. It's amazing because it's such a cool, amazing history museum. It's really a history museum there. It's really wonderful. If you get a chance, put that on your list. If you're going to drive around and go to national parks and things like that, add Cooperstown, New York, and the Hall of Fame to, your, to the list of places you should go. It's really wonderful, and uh, I recommend it. All right, got to run, but uh, try baseball. Don't listen to the media that tells you you got to have football where they kill each other or soccer. I like watching soccer, my kids playing, but I like watching baseball with my family and friends. Uh, baseball. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, our associate producer, and you for listening. We'll be back next week. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report.
0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.